It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And that, of course, is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And you can also listen on the iHeartRadio app if you download the app and punch in our coordinates. Then you can take us with you anywhere you go. We'd also like to welcome those listeners on other radio stations that listen to Moment of Truth now. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Or if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform and or on our SoundCloud. It's great to have you all here. It's also great to welcome to the show Steve Patterson. If you may know that name, yes, I'm talking about the host of the CBC show, The Debaters. And it's a pleasure to have Steve on the show. He's got some new material coming out. And so it's a pleasure to have him here to uh, talk about the new material, maybe find out what he's been up to lately as well. But a little bit more about him. He is a Canadian veteran comedian, author, and host, as I say, of The Debaters. And he's putting a fresh spin on some of his most popular material with Young Stefan, or Young Stephen, sort of remastered, (laughs) available Friday, March 14th. And it's through Comedy Records. Now, Steve has also been a crowd favorite in Canada for over two decades and is widely known to hundreds of thousands of listeners, of course, as The Debaters, the CBC radio show, which he has been hosting since 2007. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit, maybe a little bit about the history of that with him as well. Now, the uh, sort of new album is a hilarious look back at Steve's uh, catalog of stand-up work that he's done with some new notes at the ends from each track from notable comedians. And so it's a pleasure to have him here to talk about that. And uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. That's a great intro. It sounds like people can hear this on pretty much any any format. Uh, that's great. I can just... Right. I can, it's much more effective than just yelling it on the streets through a bullhorn, which was what I was going to do to promote this. Yeah, there's better ways of doing it now, Steve. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm old school, David. <laughs> I, I, I'm from the Blues Brothers model. I like to just go on the beach with a bullhorn and just yell that I have something coming that night. Well, listen, it's great that you're here. We really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this. Now, the other thing, of course, you've got going on is you've, uh, you've got a new book that's coming out as well, Dad Up. Yeah. Yeah. All about, uh, all about dadding. And uh, that's going to be out in time for Father's Day. So it it's just, uh, it's just all coming together. David, we're throwing a lot of stuff out there, seeing, <laughs> seeing what people pick up. So tell us a little bit more about this uh, remastered stuff, sort of new material that you're, you're doing that uh, is going to be available or is available. Um, yeah. and, and how that idea came to you. I guess, I guess part of it was because of the lockdown, right? It was, uh, you know, it was tough to put, I've been, you know, formulating getting another album out. It's been a while since my last one, which mm. was, this is not debatable. I think it's been a, at least five <laughs> years since that. So it was time, time to get a, another collection of comedy out, but in a year where, you know, you didn't have the option to perform in front of live audiences, which are pretty, pretty key to mm. a comedy album recording. Yep. Uh, I stumbled upon the fact that I had not actually, digitally released a couple of old uh, of CDs that mm. I had put out and sold, you know, almost entirely just at shows uh, right. a while ago. So I basically took uh, the two, the two albums picked uh, what I thought would be the, the, uh, the best, the best tracks that are still funny today 
and then to put a fresh spin on it, I just asked a bunch of my friends to offer critiques, kind of notes mm. on the uh, on the bits, and and to put those out as well with the album. So it's essentially I invited my professional comedian friends to heckle me <laughs> right. and, and record it, and we'll see how it goes. Sort of roast you a little bit to some degree, I guess. I mean, yeah, I, I gave them the option of, you know, I just said, do say what you want and mm. we'll, we'll see what comes out. And, right. you know, some, some were nicer than others, but uh, <laughs> that's what comedian friends do. So. Right. Uh, now, um, the, the, the thing that you mentioned there about, um, oh, darn, I lost my train of thought. Uh, yes, listening to this old material, re-releasing older material, going back, picking the best. What was that like for you to go back and listen to that old stuff that you had done previously? Uh, well, I think it's like anyone would uh, be looking at an old, old photos of themselves, mm. uh, but just an audio version. You know, you mm. think to yourself, uh, "Wow, was you know?" I remember kind of crafting that and right. being really, really proud at the time, or or, or I remember that happening during mm. the recording, and it was a real fun moment, and we mm. captured it, so that's great. Um, and then there was some of it where you know you kind of wince and you go, "Oh, what was I doing? What was I doing there? <laughs> that's not gonna." <laughs> That's certainly not going to fly today, and uh, I, I'm amazed that I uh, ever did it. Mm. Um, so, you know, I I tried to, as I said, have material that that will still give people a laugh today. But there was definitely stuff when I went back and listened again, and I thought, well, these references people aren't going to yeah. even get right. anymore right. or uh you know they're not they're gonna have to dig pretty deep to right. get the reference and that's gonna get in the way of the joke so i had to leave leave some of the stuff um on cds which are gonna people if people want that material they're gonna have to work pretty hard to find it right. but th- this stuff that i'm putting out is uh i'm i'm happy with right uh, for material um not only in sourcing material but when you find something that you want to work with that you think yeah i can i can do something with that What's the process for you? Is, is it a is it a fairly easy process, or is it something that really you have to work at, or is that a, is it a combination of those things? Yeah, I think it's a combination. Some things you you see them and they come out fully formed, uh, and and there there's not a way to improve on them. And others you have to really work at and craft. And I think that. You know, it is a combo, and I, I don't think people should feel bad if it, if it uh, comedians should feel bad if some some stuff comes easy and some doesn't because you know from I, I listen to a lot of music and music stories and I, 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 some of the Genesis stories of the you know the greatest songs are you know were done by accident or were done mm. really quickly while mm-hmm. they were trying to do something else so mm-hmm. it, it is a combo of that but I, I do try these days to. Uh, you know, write things, write things out more than I used to because you don't have the crowd to play around with. I'm doing uh, a lot of virtual shows like so many comedians are and, and every word becomes more important. And I think, you know, after having been on radio for all this time now, uh, we're crafting the words more carefully because there's really nothing else to to lean on in the performing of it. So mm. writing is, I think, more important now than ever to really, to really get to, uh, the, the, the bits crafted that said there's stuff on here where again because i was playing with live crowds there's some fun moments that come out that weren't written they just kind of happened and i i do miss that most about performing for live audiences right now is that the, the audience works with you yeah and, and that's a good point you just brought up there when you work the crowd when you watch the crowd and you see what the crowd is giving back to you how often do you have to um, ad lib or or work a moment in something when you've got a, a skit worked out. Well, I 
it's different styles. You know, I, um, I think probably because when I started doing stand up, it was, it was not something I had planned to do. I was just, my friends had signed me up Yeah, right. <laughs> and I went expecting to be in the audience and ended up doing a seven minute set on the stage. So, uh, that lack of preparation, um, is sort of, sort of carried through to, I don't want to over-prepare to the point where I don't react to what's happening mm. in the room. Some comedians, uh, could perform their entire set on auto mm. auto route, whether there's an right. audience there or not. And I've, I've never really enjoyed that kind of thing. I like right. to be in the moment with the group that's there. So I react quite a bit to what's happening in the room during a set, which isn't always great to be honest on an audio <laughs> recording, but, um, uh, I, I like playing around and I think that, you know, some of my favorite comics would be like Billy Connolly, who, mm. you know, who starts a story sort of knows where he's going to end it, but in the middle, he's got no idea. He can go wherever <laughs> he wants. And, and I've always sort of enjoyed doing stand up like that, where, right. where you can make up a good chunk of it on the spot. Right. It, you made me think of the debaters when you were saying that, uh, yeah. because it, now for the most part, it sounds like it's a scripted show, you know, the questions, uh, what's going to be talked about, et cetera, et cetera. But there is that element that you play with in there as well. I'm wondering about how scripted are the, are the, the comments that you say, because you always have tons of puns uh, in, in the stuff that you do, right? Tons. Yes. Yeah. The, the puns are, are certainly scripted beforehand. We want to try to get those out in some cases get them out of our system frankly <laughs> i uh i've i'm amazed that we're still doing uh we're still able to come up with them and it's not certainly not just me there's a pretty pretty good uh core team mm. of punsters that are mm. working on that and it's just become a signature of the show uh so that those are scripted but you know the comments that i'm able to make after each debater because i don't hear their debates beforehand mm. those are all off the cuff and mm. our bare knuckle round obviously is mm. is off the cuff and i think that's you know one of my favorite parts of of doing the show is there's uh three comedians sharing a stage together which you don't get to see very often anyway mm. all kind of bouncing off of each other which is a rare opportunity in, in stand-up, you know, mm -hmm. improvisers do that and sketch right. comedians get to do that, but stand-ups for the most part, we're out, we're out there on our own. So our show gives stand-ups a chance to actually riff with each other, which again is everyone that's on this album, uh, I think has, has been part of the debaters and that's where I've, you know, learned, learned about some of Canada's greatest comics doing right. this show. Right. With the, the debaters and you just mentioned about the team that you work with, uh, of course, to prepare the show and that it's not just your work that's coming forward in there. What's that process like for you? Well, I mean, you know, unfortunately these days we can't all get together. Yep. Um, even, even before that, to be honest, there's people, kind of writing things from different parts of, mm. of the country. So there's not, it's not a show that has, you know, we don't always tape in the same place. So yeah. we don't have a dedicated physical writer's right, room for people right. to get together on. So we, it, in some ways we were ahead of the game on that because mm. when we had to transition yeah. to doing things virtually, that's how we were already right. doing it. Um, but on the other hand, I, I will say that the, the tapings of a debaters is like a, it's like a comedy gala in a day because there's, so many comics on the show. Mm. There's a great energy of people bouncing ideas off of each other. Uh, and when they're done, there's a big relief because the comedians are trying stuff for the first time in front of an audience. They don't know how it's going to go. And there's that, there's that energy. And, uh, and I think that the audience appreciates that too. And then after 
the after part, I think, is what's most missed these days about live performances is you, you know, like everyone gets together with their their coworkers. Comedians mm. love to get together, talk about the show mm. after and just mm. just spend time with each other. And again, keep bouncing ideas off of each other. And uh, to not be able to do that has been the toughest part of this last this last year. So uh, I'm happy that on this album, I got to at least have some friends call in with some ideas and be able to call them back after and go, you know, wow, I didn't, I, I didn't think you hated me that much. <laughs> there, there wasn't anything like that, but um, there was, you know, certainly sometimes when people would say, you know, why did, why'd you do this bit? I'm like, well, I don't know. It was, it was a while ago, but I right. mean, we'll just put it out there again and see if, see if it still gets some laughs. Yeah. I listened to, to a number of them and it was uh, quite interesting to hear the comments, hear how they were playing it. It was kind of like in many cases, you, you were the comic, they were the straight man kind of thing, you know, in many of those instances, it was. Yeah. Really- a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dave Merhaj is a real, a really funny guy. And I, I gave him, you know, a, a sort of a rap thing that I did. Mm. When I, and I, I was interested to see what he would say. Cause he's a very, he's a big music fan. He's right. a big music guy. And he, he took it, he took it very seriously. He at least gave me the cred that uh, it was a passable attempt at it <laughs> that I was doing. And then he, then he sort of, you know, broke down the terms that I was using and what they meant. <laughs> Right. Took it very seriously, right. so uh, yeah. I I appreciated that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned music because I I noticed there were several uh, pieces of music that you put forward on on the the new album that's being released, and and that was not something I was familiar with about you. I must admit, and um and and you know looking over your your history, you've got a you've got a, a degree in business, and I uh, saw so again I didn't see much in the way of music, but there you are, you're putting some music out there, which is great, of course. Oh, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I've always enjoyed putting some music in the comedy and I have gotten to be good friends with some, uh, you know, really talented musicians Mm. over the years. The person that does the arrangements for me is Mark Camilleri. His his wife, who sings background tracks Mm. for me a lot, is at least a hundred times better as a vocalist (laughs) than myself. So, um, you know, I think musical comedy is an interesting thing. It still has to be you know, good enough musically right. that people will want to listen to it to completion. Right. And then, and then you have to make it funny on top of that and hope that people get the joke. So right. uh, I really enjoy doing that. And that was something that, you know, in the old days uh, when I was starting out, standups weren't uh, a lot of the standups were thought you should just stand behind a microphone and, and talk and that yeah. should be it. And if you did anything else uh, you know, you were kind of dissing the craft or something, mm. but it's always something that I had and I always enjoyed doing it. And, you know, anyone that came to the live shows of mine knew I sort of closed that way, but mm. it, but I didn't really put it out there. And I'm, I'm happy to be finally getting these tracks out there. It's been, a, it's been a while that I've been sitting on them. So You mentioned audience appreciation and I'm thinking about, again, the debaters, because when you hear that show, uh, it certainly sounds like the audience, of course, is having a great time. And it, it sounds also, though, there's that there's an anticipation in the audience because of the just the longevity of the show and and the history of it and and how well known it is what's that like for you when you go into a new town and you're doing that live show uh, do you get that sense from that audience as well that there's that camaraderie with you a hundred percent and and in depending on the the places that we go I mean, really everywhere. There's a there's a good there's a good pocket of people that we can get into a theater, mm. fill it up, and everyone that's there is excited to be right. to be part of the taping yeah. and to see what goes on because there's so much that ha- so much more that happens during a taping than than makes the final cut. Um, right. In places like 
you know, Yellowknife, uh, where we taped pretty recently, or well, a couple of years ago, or or Whitehorse. I mean, mm-hmm. it is the thing that's happening in the town, and it's really, uh, you know, it, it has a, a rock concert quality to it. Everyone's very, very excited to be there. And in Ottawa, um, I, I get pretty excited about Ottawa tapings because uh, I get to do a lot of political commentary out of the gate right. <laughs> for, for the, <laughs> to open the show for 10 minutes that I know the audience there is going to appreciate just because it is such a political town. And most of the stories I'm talking about have you know emanated from there. Right. So there's, there's different things to get excited about and everywhere we tape, but I, I'm, it's also a real privilege to be able to go bring this show across Canada mm. to places that I probably would never get to right. if I wasn't doing this show. Yeah, right, exactly. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and this is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest on the show is veteran Canadian comedian Steve Patterson. Yes, it is the host of the CBC show, The Debaters, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. We're talking about some new material he's releasing. Young Stephen, a sort of remastered, and it's available as of May 14th through Comedy Records. But he's also got a new book coming out as of June 1st, and that is Dad Up. And uh, it's, uh, I guess the title gives some of the, uh, some of the idea of what's going to be in that book and the comedy around which it will flow. Um, so it's a pleasure to have Steve Patterson on the show with us today to talk, to talk about all of these things. And, uh, you know, he's not only the host of the, the debaters, he's also been uh, uh, hosting the short film Face Off Canada uh, for the last 10 years as well. So, uh, Steve, again, it's a, well, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. We haven't talked too much about Dad Up, which is this new book you've got coming out uh, June 1st, as you say, just in time for Father's Day. And um, I, I know, again, uh, because of the pandemic, uh, you've been using uh, your family a lot as, a, I guess, a source of material. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you're supposed to write about what you know, and in lieu of that, write about what you're experiencing on a daily basis. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like so many parents, I've been mostly home for the past year and mm. a bit, mm-hmm. uh, which is a privilege in some ways because I have young children. And then it's also a, a challenge in many other ways. Uh, but the fact that I was able to write a book during this time uh, really is a tribute to my wife, Nancy, because all the time that you spend writing a parenting book is time you're supposed to have spent <laughs> parenting. I just want to be very clear about that. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, how do they feel about you using them as as a the subject matter of the book. <laughs> I mean, Nora will probably be pretty angry. She's 20 months old now, okay. so yeah. she hasn't uh, she hasn't given me any bad reviews yet, but right. uh she's uh give it time, right? <laughs> a, yeah, she's a real a real personality. I, th- I think they're going to be okay with it. Nancy's Nancy's used to me going to our relationship for mm-hmm. for fodder, but mm-hmm. um you know, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they think, but it's really it's a combination between how I grew up as the youngest of five boys and how I'm trying to raise two young girls, which is, there's not a lot of intersections there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Now, can you give us a little, a couple of examples of what the kind of things are that we might find in there? You know, being the youngest of five boys. Wow. There's, that sounds like there's lots of material right there. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I talk a little bit about uh, bullying, which Mm. is a real, a real thing that Mm -hmm. um, obviously different people 
you know, all, all kids, I think, go through to a, to a degree. It's, it's a very different way to deal with it, um, you know, than when I, when I grew up, the bullying happened mostly before I left for school. It was, it was my, mm. my older brothers, uh, you know, fighting me. But right. um, now, you know, my, my daughter in kindergarten went through some, some mm. bullying from yeah. another little girl, and I had to try to come up with a way to deal with that. And, and let me tell you, it wasn't the same way that I dealt with bullying when I was a kid, which right. was to get my older brother, Ross, to beat up the source. <laughs> can't do that. You can't, you can't, I can't call Ross in Nova Scotia and say, come deal with this four-year-old girl. She's being mean. <laughs> yeah, true. True enough. Now, how close were you to your other brothers in, in ages and things? What was that like? For you? Uh, well, my, I mean, it's a, I have a weird, uh, weird family mix that they took a pretty big break. My parents, right. uh, by the time they got around to me. So my oldest brother, John is almost 20 years older than me. Mm. Um, my next oldest brother, Larry is about 16 or 17 years older than me. And then Ross is about six years older than me. So mm. the difference between my brother Ross and I is about the same as the difference between my two daughters now. Right. So I'm, I'm really drawing on that. Yeah. Uh, and again, there's not a lot of overlap. <laughs> Well, yeah, wow, that that sounds like some fairly fascinating uh, family dynamics there with, with your <laughs> yeah. family. Uh, uh, now, your girls, your new father, uh, two girls on top of that. How's that been? Well, it's again, it's just very, uh, it's very different and very cautious. But I, I do take some of the lessons that my dad. Uh, taught me and try to just uh, directly relate them to my daughters. I mean, she's mm. going to, she's going to know her way. Uh, both of my girls are going to know their way around a, a playground tussle if they have to. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying go start <laughs> fights, but if, if one starts, I'm going to teach them a couple, right. a couple tricks to get, to get through there. You know, I don't want to hurt anybody, but right. I, uh, I do want them to be able to stand up for themselves. So uh, I think that my six-year-old has taken, you know, a few more lessons in street tussles than most have. And my 20 month old has organic, come out of the womb as a, as a fighter. So I'm not worried about her. I'm worried about whoever crosses her, to be honest. Right. Uh, I like the comment you made about uh, about the womb and the the pandemic, about uh, children <laughs> being locked down because uh, from where they, they were previously, uh, th- there's a lot of, this is a lot of room. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's room to stretch. You're not yes. attached by a cord. This is, and everyone's together all the time. This is yes. a great time to be two or less. Uh, now, do I understand that that there was some issue with your wife and yourself conceiving? Is that something that you also talk about? Oh yeah, that was something that I started to go down the road of when I was writing, and I wasn't sure whether I was going to include it in the book. Mm. Um, because it wasn't, you know, funny, but, uh, mm. but then once I did start writing about it, there were light moments in there. And I remembered that when I, we had shared our news that we had a, a miscarriage with, with mm. friends, they kind of just casually brought up, Oh yeah, we did too. We had, you know, two, two or mm. three. It's such a common thing that no one talks about. Mm. And consequently people are left to go through it on their own. And of course it mostly falls, of course, on the, on the mom and it's heartbreaking. Sure. Uh, but the, whoever is supporting the mom has got to, got to go through all that too, and, and should have some to- tools to deal with it. So uh, I did include it because I thought it was important to talk about it. And now, you know, as I've spoken to some people about it, as it's coming out they're they're happy that I do talk about it. And I did find some, some uh, funny stuff that happened in there as well, which uh, of course uh, somehow in a, in a circular way ends up including Brent Butt, and I'll just leave mm, it at that right. for anyone to try to draw those <laughs> those connections. There's always lots of room, of course, for for male bashing and and uh, and coming heavy down on ourselves, isn't there? 
Yeah, yeah, there is. But I mean, you know, I, I think that in the, I and I do, you know, I do a fair amount of of uh, that in the book uh, with my dad. <laughs> okay. I grew up with my dad was pretty pretty coarse and rough around the edges to mm. say the least. And I've always drawn on my, my experiences growing up with my dad in my, in my comedy, he's been a major character in my comedy for a long time. So mm. this was a pretty natural extension, but you know, I think that um, there's a lot of great dads out there. And the only thing that you can do to get in the way of that is to, to leave the situation, not show up mm. physically or right. emotionally for your kids. I mean, and, and just sort of embrace screwing up and be able to laugh it off because everybody screws up. Mm. Uh, every dad screws up mm -hmm. and, you know, you got to find, find the moments of, uh, of laughter in there, you know, it might take a while to look back on them, but mm. if you can, you know, have some laughs while you're going through it, it's going to help a lot because otherwise you're going down a, a negative path and that really impacts your kids. So right. I'm, you know, I, I catch, try to catch myself all the time and right. I try to, you know, remember what I wrote in in this book and reread things about. Yeah, this is I I, I got to live this. I can't just uh, write it and think it. I have to live it. Right. Uh, Steve, is there anything else we haven't touched on that feels important that we you want to mention about either what's coming up or either about the book or about the the, the new material you've got coming out? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, you know that we haven't covered everything here I'm, I'm excited that this uh these i feel like i'm putting a few things out into the world you know mm -hmm. i'm putting mm -hmm. my uh my uh, comedy babies who are teenagers now i'm putting <laughs> them out there for the digital world to see what happens there and there will certainly be you know some thoughts on this seems like it might have been written a while ago i have a bit on razors where i said there's three blades on razors that's crazy but now there's five and i assume by next month there'll be 17 blades yeah, on no razors kidding, so yeah. uh you know, I, I realize that some of this stuff that's coming out, um, you know, needs updates. And that's why I had my comedian friends chime in on them. But I, I do think that funny is funny at its basis. And, uh, you know, the premises that I talk about here have been certainly talked about before, but I'm, I'm proud of the way that they're presented here. And as far as um, the Dad Up book goes, I'm really excited to see what people – people think about it because I think there's a experiences in it that a lot of people have gone through and uh, that I haven't seen written about, you know, it's certainly not a how to parenting book and it's mm. not a how not to, it, mm. it ends up largely being a tribute to, uh, <laughs> to um, my wife, Nancy, even though it's a dadding <laughs> book, because uh, if you do old school dadding in this current day and age, you're uh, it, it's not going to get you through. <laughs> right. Steve, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the show and talk about this new material, both uh, the the audio material as well as the book you've got coming out. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Certainly a pleasure to hear you uh, hosting the debaters on CBC. Uh, I'm sure everyone uh, is just so, uh, you know, finds you as, as that, that voice that we look forward to hearing on that show weekly and uh, wish you all the best in the future. So thank you so much. 
Well, thank you so much for having me, David. And a big hello to everyone in Ottawa. I've got a lot of good friends there and I can't wait to get back and perform live. All right. Thanks again. And that is the voice of Steve Patterson. It's been a pleasure having him on the show. He is the host of The Debaters. Got some new material coming out. The sort of remastered Young Stephen that you can find on uh, several uh, platforms. Yeah, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music and more. And it's available through comedyrecords.ca And he's also got Dad Up, which is uh, being released on um, June 1st. To find out more about Steve, you can go to stevepatterson.ca or follow him on Twitter at twitter.com backslash patterballs. Patterballs? What's that about, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, there's the actual story is that, uh, you know, comedian Russell Peters, who a lot of mm. people know, gave me that nickname a long time ago to the comedy community, and it just sort of stuck, and it was... No one else had chosen it on mm. Twitter, strangely, because no one else would think of it. So it's it's just kind of stuck. And, uh, you know, that's that's what people have called me for a while. And even though I'm a fully grown man now, I'm just going to stick with it. Okay. Thanks again, Steve. Pleasure speaking with you. All the best in the future. Thanks so much. Well, don't go away. We'll be right back with more right here on Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. All right, we're back, and you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and if you download the iHeartRadio app, you can take us with you anywhere you go. Well, it is a pleasure to welcome back to the show someone that I had promised that I would have back on the show. And it's been a couple of years. I can't believe it. But uh, (laughs) Mr. Danny Stone is here on the show. Now, originally, I met Danny when he came onto the show, uh, not to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. He came on to talk about zero gun violence and the zero gun violence movement in Toronto. Is that correct, Danny? Yeah, that's right. And that's got to be, uh, what was it, I guess 2019, wasn't it? I think so. I think it was, <laughs> yeah, tw- 2019. <laughs> and when when we left, uh, we finished the interview, and when we were leaving, you and I got a, in a bit of a conversation. We were talking, and uh, and ended up you telling me about the fact that you, um, you, you had other things on the go, that you were doing other things. And uh, you ended up sending me a book in the mail, which I don't believe I asked for, but you sent it to me. And, <laughs> and I'm glad you did. And it is called, You Have the Keys, Now Drive. And you are the author of this book. And, uh, and I finally got around to reading it. Of course, it's been a while because this wasn't something we scheduled. It wasn't something we had planned to do. But but you sent me this book, and I always knew I wanted to have you back on the show and talk about this because I was intrigued from the the very name of the title, You Have the Keys, Now Drive. Danny, it's, it's great to have you on the show and, and talk to you about this book because this book is a self-help book, of course, and it, it talks about the habits and the things that people need to do. And I love the simplicity of that idea of that you are... If you're not in the driver's seat of your life, you have to be in the driver's seat of your life in order to get things going and to become the best person you can become and to live the dreams that you want to live in your life. Right. So, Danny, how did this all start for you? When did this idea and when did you see that you needed to put this together in order to help other people? Well, David, thanks for having me back. It's great to be back with you. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I think that I've always been somebody who's been helping people. 
you know, um, I go by Coach Stone. A lot of people call me Coach Stone. <laughs> and, you know, I think about my very first job at 14 years old, coaching four and five year olds and mentoring them. That was my very first job at 14. Wow. So I bought, yeah, <laughs> it was actually a paid job with Parks and Recreation. So I actually got a paycheck. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I've always been in the people helping business. And what I realized with my own journey growing up in low income housing, surrounded by drugs and crime and, you know, lots of friends in in and out of jail. And I lost friends to gun violence and, you know, finally moving through that situation and you're going to university, dropping out of university and somehow finding myself working in the corporate world, managing training and coaching people without a university degree, I just realized that at that point that I had been able to achieve some things that I never thought I could do. And along the way, you know, I've had conversations with people and given them coaching and guidance and they've achieved things that they never thought they could do. And so I thought, why not just put it in a book? (laughs) So I just started writing in, in literally about 12 weeks, I put the book together. Really? That's yeah. wow. That's a fast turnaround. Yeah, I, I wrote the book, and this is what, and this is why I tell people, you know, you, you have the keys now. Drive. It, it it it's about getting out of the passenger seat mm. and and stop allowing fear and other people's opinions and the failures and the mistakes to drive the decisions that you make in your life. And then start allowing your hopes and your dreams and your desires and and your goals and the things that you want to drive your life. Mm. And so I just basically said, now's the time. And I wrote the book on my iPhone and my iPad going to and from work every day. Wow. So when you were 14 and you got this paying job, was that tough for you to have a legitimate job and see people around you that were doing other things that were maybe making more money, but it wasn't a great life that, as you point out in your book, by taking advantage of others and keeping other people down or putting other people down? Yeah, it was tough. I, you know, Growing up in, in that type of environment, there was a lot of drug dealers. Um, a lot of my friends had older brothers who were drug dealers. So I was the oldest in my family, which made it even more challenging. A lot of people don't mm. even think about that, but right. all of their older brothers were giving them stuff, right? They were giving them the nicest clothes or jewelry or, mm. you know, giving them drugs to sell. And, and mm. I never had that. So right. I would, I, it was almost like I was in two different worlds, right? You know, I, I was in this one world where I was doing all these things I wasn't supposed to be doing. Hang, it was, I, I guess you could call it a gang. And then the other world was I was seeing what was happening in the community and I was like, this isn't right. And so what can I do? And, you know, I started coaching and teaching and mentoring and eventually working for the Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA, you know, working with young people. But it was always a challenge. Mm. And at 18 years old, that's when I really made a decision. I had already gotten arrested three times. Mm. Uh, I had a bunch of my friends were in and out of jail. Mm. I lost some friends to gun violence. And, you know, I always tell people, we we always have older people around us that drop these gems on us and we don't pay attention. Mm. And uh, my grandmother, she passed away years ago, but she was this little tiny Jamaican woman. And she would always just say these things to me and just walk off. (laughs) And I would say, well, what does that mean? And she would just walk away. You figure it out. And so she always used to say, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Right. And, you, you know, you're, you're strong enough to walk your own path. 
but she would never say what it meant. Right. And it just hit me once when I was 18 years old. That's when it kind of all hit me. And I realized what she was saying. Mm. And at that moment, I had to make a decision which way I was going to go. Uh, continue to, to hang on the streets and be a drug dealer or go to university. And uh, I chose to go to university. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned your grandmother. I was going to bring her up for exactly the the uh, comment and the uh, quote that you made about her saying, you know, show me your friends and, uh, and I'll tell you who you are. Uh, it, it's an interesting comment. It makes you reflect, of course, on yourself. It makes you reflect on other things. Your, your book does that a lot. It makes uh, you reflect on yourself. And in fact, you, throughout this book, give people exercises to do and make them think uh, carefully about who they are, what's important to them, what, what, what their goals are, what their dreams are. And you also point out that making change in your life is not an easy thing, just as you ha- have said in your own life. That, but, but, you know, you don't leave anybody out either. And what I mean by that is you, you say, whether it's your, your family, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friends, whoever it might be, if they're holding you back, you have to remember that it's not their dream you're living. It's your dream. It's your life that you are living or being held fra- back from pursuing. And you need to make those changes. They are, they are big challenges uh, for people, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the reason why most of us are afraid to take action on a big dream is, is fear of failure. Mm. And that goes back to the fear of what other people are going to say and think about you, especially those closest to you. Mm. And so for some of us, we realize that we have people like that. The minute we tell them a goal or a dream, mm. they tell us all the reasons it's not going to work. Right. And here's what we have to understand. Sometimes some of those people are, they mean to hate on you. Like they, 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 they're doing it on purpose. But a lot of times they don't. What's happening is how can somebody be happy for you that you're brave enough to get out there and actually do something to better yourself when they know there's things that they need to do, but they're just not ready to do it. Mm. So it's easier for them to tell you all the, all the reasons why it's not going to work for you than it is for them to actually look in the mirror and say, yes, I know I have to get back, you know, get my health back. Yes. I know I got to get out of this job and find another one. Yes. I've been talking about writing this book. It's easier for them to just, write you off than it is for them to actually step up and take action and do it themselves. Right. So we have to put distance between us and those individuals and look for people who are goal getters, G O A L. Mm -hmm. Who are the people out there in your community, whether it's online, who are the friends, the family members, the mentors, the people in these groups on Facebook or LinkedIn that you can connect with that will encourage you and lift you up and inspire you. You know, the, the, the thing about the, the, the book that we're talking about, uh, you have the keys now drive and you, you talk about this, the habits and the things that, that people need to do to make those changes. But you also point out that, you know, once you do t- are committed to that, once you do start to ch- make that change, that you might be surprised by the people around you once they see that you are committed to it, that they might also rise to that occasion and right. either make the change along with you or realize that what I'm saying is you might see the truth about the situation. I can give you tons of examples for me and lots of my coaching clients and people who've read the book, who've sent me messages. There's so many examples of that. Mm. You know, the first thing I want to say about, you know, following your goals and chasing your goals and your dreams is this progress equals belief. Mm. 
progress equals belief. And as another friend of mine, Mario says, it takes many moments of momentum to achieve your goals. Mm. So what it is, what I'm saying is that you don't even believe that your goals are possible until you start to make progress. Right. And as you make progress, you start to believe, well, maybe I can do this thing. And the biggest misconception out there is that you got to just believe in yourself. That's one of the biggest lies we've ever been told. Mm. How many people have started something completely scared? Right. <laughs> you know, how many people have just went out? Some of our heroes, some of the people who are running these multi-billion dollar companies, they never knew they could do that. Right. But it was through progress. They started to believe more and more and more. Right. Think about it. You have to lose 100 pounds. You don't believe that you can lose that 100 pounds, especially if you've had that weight for years. Mm. So you wake up today and you go for a walk and you do a little bit of exercise and Maybe at the end of the week, you lost two pounds. Mm. You're like, okay, maybe. Mm. Then a month later, you lost 10. Right. You start to believe it more and more with your progress. Right. And so that's the thing for most of us. And then if it works that way for you, it works that way with other people. Once they start to see what you're doing and they start to see that you're committed and you're dedicated and they start to see the results, then one of two things happen. Again, they stay stuck and they, they, hate on you for, for trying to better themselves because they're not ready, or they step up and they start to do things in their life that they know that they've been meaning to do. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And of course, you can also listen on the iHeartRadio app. If you download the app, you can take us with you anywhere you go. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Danny Stone. And you can find him online at I Am Danny Stone if you want to check out more about him. We're talking about his book, and it's uh, entitled You Have the Keys, Now Drive Five Keys and Five Habits to Personal Change. And I was very honored by Danny to send me this book and to be able to read through it and see the things that are in there. Now, Danny was just talking about belief and progress. And uh, one of the things he talks about in the book also is the support system that people need around them in order to to move forward as well. Yeah, I call it a life support network or uh, an accountability crew. Mm. Um, The reason why people achieve things that they never thought were possible is usually because of some type of accountability, whether it's, you know, a coach, a mentor, somebody close to you. That's the reason why you continue to keep going, even when you feel like quitting. Uh, So I would say, but it's also accountability to a greater mission and purpose. You know, so it's accountability to people who check in on you, but it's also like, why are you doing this? And I think that's the biggest challenge for many of us. We we have all of these goals and these hopes and dreams, and we don't really know why. Mm. It's not connected to something bigger. Right. Because when it's connected to something bigger, you you have this accountability where you just you just have to keep going because you know people are counting on you. Mm. And so accountability or a life support network is 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 major because it, it, on those days where you just don't feel like getting up and taking action. You can check in with those people or they check in with you or, you know, every week that you you have to report back to somebody and you have to have something done. Mm. The book follows a very direct line of how to get started. And it also takes you through the idea. And as, as I said, it gives you exercises at the end, end of each of the chapters. You can also go online because Danny's got this whole thing online. It, it's a way of getting to know yourself as well, isn't it? This this whole process of, of working through this book. 
Well, it absolutely is. I mean, when when do we spend time getting to know ourselves? Mm. We're always busy working, taking care of our families, you know, doing all the things we need to do. When's the last time you actually sat down and thought about, you know, what's so great about yourself, the the, the thing that your journey, the things that you've overcome, your skills? We don't do that. And so I designed the book to be short and to be to the point. And at the end of every chapter, there are activities that you do right now. So you start working. And when you buy the book, you can uh, you get access to some free downloads and you can go and download them. But it's a workbook. It's not a passive read. It's like if you're really looking to shift your life in a big way or change your life, uh, I designed the book to really get you to look at yourself because, I mean, where else would you start? (laughs) You have to start with yourself, right? But so many of us start with other things. It's like, this person over here is doing that, so I'm going to do what they do. And then mm-hmm. they're doing this, and I'm going to do what they do. And then my best friend said he's doing that. But we don't. We have to stop and look at ourselves, mm-hmm. right? What do we really want? Who are we really? Who are we showing up in the world as? Yeah. How do you become a heightened version of yourself? What is the big gift that you have to share with the world? Yeah, that's one of the things you do point out in the book as well, is what is that gift and, and what is the, that that you can offer to the world? Is that something you have found from the people that have read this book and worked through it and the people you've worked with, Danny, that people get lost? They don't tend to know who they are anymore? I mean, absolutely, David. We, we get so tied up with the roles that we play in our lives. Like, think about it. If you've ever lost a job or you know someone who's lost a job, it's our identity. You are not your job. You are not, you know, the roles that you play in your in your life. You're, you're somebody outside of that. And I think for a lot of us, we just get so caught up with just going through the motions every day. We, we get we get away from who we are. We forget. We forget. You know, I had a, I had a good friend of mine who was going through a rough patch in his marriage and you know, he lost his job and some other things. And I said, well, who were you before you got married? Who were you before you came a, became a father? Mm. And he took a few weeks. He's like, I need, I need to think about this. And he, <laughs> he thought about it for a few weeks and he came back and he's like, that was such a powerful question. Like, I just relearned all of these things about myself. I love art. I love all of these other things. And, mm. and so I think that's what it is. We, we have to get back to like, who are we outside of the roles that we play in our lives? Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is a really good uh, example of the, the kind of thing that this book does in terms of questioning. I, I really like that because you do point out exactly what you just said. Who were you before you became a father, before you got married? What are the things that, who, who, who were you at the core? Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great way to make you think about yourself. And as you say, put some time into yourself. However, I also like what you say in this book about giving back because that's different than giving back. Giving back is is something that you you give but you get at the same time whereas most of the time we're running around we're doing things we're doing chores we're we're going to work we're doing things that have to be taken you know in order to put food on the table those kind of things but you know you talk about the idea about uh getting involved and giving back to others. Well yeah, I think what you just described is there's things that you have to do. And there's things that you want to do, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get up and take care of yourself and take care of your family and go to work. And you do want to, to a certain extent. But sure. when you give of yourself, that's because you want to. Yeah. You want to, you know, be of service to other people because that's what we're here for. 
the end of the day, we're all here to serve others. That's that's what life is about, right? You're here to serve others, help others, you know, help people move forward in life, use your knowledge, your skills, you know, your experience, your volunteering, your money to help not only your family and your community, but to help others who need the help. Mm-hmm. And I and I think when you're feeling stuck and you you don't know where to go or you're feeling just like you're living in the middle and, you, you know, you, you're trying to figure it out. One of the best things that you can do is be of service to other people, because now you start to see yourself through the eyes of people that you're helping. And sometimes that sparks something within you to get back to who you are and to mm-hmm. start you know, asking yourself deeper questions and so on. So I found that really people who are stuck sometimes when they get out there and they help other people, that's when they really get back to learning who they are or who they're trying to become. Hmm. Interesting. You know, the other thing your book talks about is the importance of routines, you know, having a morning routine, having a nighttime routine and sticking to it. Yeah. You know, I, I think, well, I should have called, you have a morning routine and I should have called the, the bedtime routine uh, uh, rituals. Okay. So the morning ritual, yeah. and I should have called the, the bedtime routine a ritual because right. there's a difference between routines and rituals and mm. people often interchange them, but they're not the same thing. Right. Yeah, right. A morning routine is the things that you have to do to get ready for work. You have right. to get up, you have to shower, you have to eat, all of these things. A ritual is something that you do intentionally. Yes. That is going to bring you more peace, calm, joy, clarity in your life. And most of us start our day on other people's terms. The alarm goes off, we hit snooze 10 times, or we flip open the phone and look at social media, or we turn on the news or the radio. It's on other people's terms instead of starting on our own terms. Mm. So waking up, I, you know, there's, there's eight M's, but I often talk about four M's, meaning, meditation, mantra, and movement. Right. Right. You wake up, you're grateful for some things. Mm-hmm. You, you do a quick meditation just to focus on yourself and what you want for the day. Your mantra, what is that powerful affirmation that you're saying to yourself when you're getting ready? And then some type of exercise because exercise releases endorphins and the things that make you feel good. So now when you start the day on your own terms, it doesn't matter what happens outside of that because you started on your own terms, taking care of yourself first. So it reduces stress. It helps you get more focus, more clarity, all of these things. And a lot of people don't start their day on their own terms. They start on other people's terms. Right. Yes, exactly. Now, Danny, you, you yourself are uh, a certified coach. You, uh, you also are uh, a life coach, I guess, for people. Is that right? Yeah, I'm a life coach, a business coach, career coach. I do all types of coaching. <laughs> right. And, you know, going back to that one question that you pointed out earlier that you said about your friend, who were you before you became a father, before you got married? What have you heard from other people that have gone through this process and worked with your book uh, to to hear that they have found out about themselves? David, uh, I can't even, sometimes I'm in tears when I get this. Mm. First of all, the books reach readers in eight country, eight or nine countries. So oh. I get messages sometimes from people and they're crying and, and they're just saying, like, I've just realized so much about myself. All of these blockers, these things that I, I had locked away, mm. you know, I, I never thought I was worthy. Mm. You know, I had one friend who was a TV producer who realized that she didn't want to be a TV producer. She goes, no, this isn't me. She quit her job and became a really amazing photographer. Mm. And she's like, your book just gave me the boost that I needed to get back to understand who I, who I really am. I'm not a, I'm not a job title. I'm more than that. 
And so I get stories like this all the time of people just saying, man, I, I, they just realized who they are. Right. And uh, really tearful messages. And, and I'm just really kind of blessed and honored to be a part of their, their journey. That story you just told about that person that transitioned and, and took that leap. It, it makes me think about the people that might want to be, you know, making these changes and doing things, but being afraid because they don't know if they're going to be successful or if there'll be another job they're waiting for them if they make this change or will there be an employment for them, right? Uh, you made it, you just gave it a perfect example of, a, of this woman as a TV producer got, went on to become a, a photographer. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is you also point out that if you follow that dream, if you if you pursue those things, it, it's almost a, a given that even though you can't see where it's going, you will land on your feet. There will be something there. You will survive and you will probably thrive. Absolutely. I mean, when you ask people who are coming to the end of their life, what, you know, what do they wish they had done? And there's always a regret about not trying something. Mm. It's not that I tried this and I failed. It's right. that I didn't even try. Yeah. And so for many of us, we look at life like it's a report card. We need all A's. <laughs> That's mm. not how life works. Right. Right. Sometimes you're going to get a B, a C, an F, and it's okay because even when you fail, it's, it's learning and preparation for success in the future. And so I think so many of us just look at that we're just so afraid that what if it doesn't work out? Right. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. Right. You can find something else. You can do something else. Right. And we talk ourselves out of even trying, right? Right? Because here's the thing: when you when it come, when you're talking about transitioning out of a job, for instance, there's so many ways to do that. You don't have to quit your job today and start <laughs> your business tomorrow. You can start a side hustle, do it on the side, and yeah. then when it gets to a point where you're ready to leave, you can. But yeah. we don't see that because we 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 talk ourselves out of it. Right? Right? You need to have the discipline to follow your curiosity. Right? Whatever you're curious about. Yes. You have to be disciplined enough to take action on that thing. Oh, yes. Good point. I love that idea about curiosity. That was something else that stood out to me in the book because we're very curious when we're young. Uh, you, you mentioned that earlier about uh, the, the the child in us and that, and that curiosity that we have and, and the big dreams and the idea that, you know, a child doesn't look at a failure as a failure. If it doesn't right. work, they, they still they try a different way. They just they right. don't even think about it. And we've forgotten that in our lives. And, and, and I like that you said, yeah, you know, we have to look at life with curiosity and, and, and just keep that curiosity first and foremost when we, when we approach things. Well, I think one of the philosophies that I have and I've learned in coaching is that none of us are broken. We're all naturally creative, hmm. curious, resourceful, and whole. And when you understand that, that you're naturally curious and creative, but that's what we're meant to be. And I think sometimes that's what, why people feel stuck in life because they're not tapping into their curiosity and their creativity. Mm. You know, you go to your job, they tell you how to do your job and you just know how to do it. But where in your life are you being creative? Where are you being curious? Where are you trying new things, stepping outside of your comfort zone? A lot of people don't do that. right? And so we have to learn to, 
tap back into that curiosity and that creativity and become explorers because that's what we are as humans. Mm. Danny, it's been fascinating speaking with you, and I really want to thank you for coming on the show to talk about uh, your book. Uh, you have the keys now, Drive, Five Keys and Five Habits to Personal Change. But also because uh, if people want to find out more about you, they can go to imdannystone.com. And also uh, there they will find out a lot more about the things that you're involved with, the things that you do. It's on Amazon. Uh, it really is a great book to to make you look at yourself. Uh, you know, all kinds of ways of, of trying to reach within yourself to try to get the best part of you to come out so that you can make those changes and move forward in a positive way, in a healthy way, to become the best possible person you can be. So, uh, Danny, thank you for this book, and thanks for the, the great work that you're doing. And um, and I look forward to maybe having you back on the show at a later date. I'm sure COVID has brought up a, a bunch of new challenges that maybe you're seeing that we can uh, talk about uh, in the Absolutely. future as well. Absolutely. David, thank you so much for having me on the show. And, and thank you for really kind of diving into the book and really, you know, learning and, and, and seeing what it's all about. So I really appreciate you having me on today. You bet. You bet, Danny. Take care. And thank you for initially throwing that out to me years ago, because <laughs> otherwise we <laughs> wouldn't welcome. be having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's Danny Stone. And as I say, you can find out more by going online to, to see imdannystone.com. And there you can find out more. Check out his book. You have the keys, now drive. As he said, it is on Amazon. And that is our show for today here on Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Thank you for listening to the show each and every day. And we will see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.